Welcome to the Central Christian Church Message Podcast. We are passionate about leading people to discover and fully own faith in Jesus. It is our desire that the following message inspires you to take your next steps in your own faith. Let's dive in. everybody, and welcome, 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 uh, wherever you are on any of our sites. Welcome to those of you who are watching this online. And uh, it's spring break week in Arizona. And uh, if you remember being a kid, that was an absolute highlight. Can I get an amen? Okay, that was as weak as it could. So you didn't like spring break at all, right? And as you became an adult, you like it less. Now, this is um, on most of our campuses. This is spring break week this week and next, and I love the fact that you're here. Um, and as I was thinking about that, you know, spring break is uh, it, often families get away and it's a great time, and that's awesome. But I was thinking about this, and um, this is not meant to be a downer, but we're at a time where like, it's like the highlight of spring, like, hey, it's spring break. And then I was thinking about what's going on in the world and obviously thinking about the plight of the Ukrainian people. And I thought, you know, this would be a really good time for us to just pause. We've done this every week, but I want to do it right now. Uh, I just want to uh, just ask that we would pause and together we would just pray on behalf of Ukraine and the, and the plight of those folks. And uh, it, I don't know what all your opinions are about all of this. I know it's complicated, but um, I know uh, an atrocity when I see it and I'm seeing it. So let's pray and then we'll get to uh, the message. So Father, we do want to just pause right now and lift up uh, these people, a uh, whole other side of the planet, uh, Lord, just a whole lot of wrong is happening. And uh, again, don't understand all the motivations as to what uh, Putin is up to and why he feels this is the right thing to do. Uh, and, but God, there, there is massive suffering going on and we're witnessing um, children and uh, innocent civilians just being slaughtered and for what purpose? And God, uh, we just pray that you would intervene. And we, deep down inside, as we watch this, we know that this is not right. And we're also very, very concerned about this escalating. And, uh, and uh, God, if that happens, uh, none of our lives will ever be the same. And so we, right now, just pause to just put it before you and say, please intervene. Please intervene. And uh, help us, Father, to... Uh, to, to continue to remember uh, these people that are suffering and those who have lost their lives. Uh, it's very sobering. So be with them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, sorry about the, uh, the sadness of that. I want to change moods real quick. I want to talk about last weekend. If you were here last weekend at the end of the message, I, I said, look, I'm just not going to let you leave without offering you uh, an opportunity to say yes to Jesus if you want to say yes to Jesus. And so we did that. And I, I'm just, I don't know the actual number. 60-some people came forward and said, I want to say yes to Jesus. Yeah, and that is awesome, and that is worth rejoicing. You know, it's interesting. The Scripture says that the uh, angels in heaven rejoice when any single person says yes to God. And it seems like we obviously ought to celebrate as well because these 60-some people have joined thousands of others of us who have sometime in our life said, you know what, I'm done with living for myself and I want to live differently. I want to uh, live for Jesus. Now, every one of us and every one of them who said yes last weekend and us at some prior point in our lives, we have a story. And I want you to stop right now and I want you to think about your story. If you were describing your story to somebody else, how would you tell your story? Now, this is how your story would go, if, if you understand where I'm going, is you would talk about who you used to be, how you met Jesus, and how you're different. 
Okay, so it's kind of a past, a present, and then, you know, here's the, kind of the future, uh, depending on, again, how you tell your story. Um, but all of us who have come to Jesus have a story to tell, and we have a past. And then we have an encounter with Jesus, and then we have a different story uh, as we go off in, into our future. And uh, uh, the, the, the life that I once lived, I no longer live, and I don't want to live that life anymore. And now uh, I get to, I kind of like what I, what I was, uh, and now I get to be what I was meant to be. And I want you to stop for a moment and just think about that, what I was, and then I get to live for what I was meant to be, and that's the difference. So God is doing a miracle in people's lives, and I don't know that we ever really stop to think about this. Um, If you are walking with Jesus, you are a walking miracle, and I, I want you to understand, I don't mean this in any boastful way, I am a walking miracle. See, the greatest thing I could tell you about my life is nothing to do with me, it's everything to do with Jesus. And what Jesus did once he uh, got a hold of me, and the storyline changed significantly, and uh, in, in your life, the greatest thing that you'll ever experience is, is when you surrender to Jesus, and you go from what I used to be to what I'm becoming. And that's the text, that's the context of the message we want to talk about today. Uh, I want to take you um, to uh, something that Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.18, talking about this miracle. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. You should be changing. You should be growing. You should be becoming more of what you were meant to be all along. And there's a history, a past story, an encounter with Jesus and a future. And, uh, you know, this ought to cause some reaction where people who knew you where they go, you know what, you, I don't know what, ha- what happened to you, man. You're so different than you used to be. I mean, I knew you win, and then you've just changed. And it's interesting because you have a story, and so often we never tell anyone our story. We never tell them uh, what uh, we used to be. Uh, and we, we never, like, take advantage of the fact that Jesus did so much for us to just help them because so many people are stuck in their past. Please hear me. So many people are stuck in their past, and they're so longing for something more. And, and we had a story to tell, but we didn't tell. By the way, uh, the Apostle Peter was very, very clear. Let me remind you of what he said. First Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared, always, to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Find the words. Uh, and, and that's kind of the idea of this message. You have a story to tell. Tell it. Tell it. Now, we're in a study right now. So let's just open our Bibles. We're in Galatians, which we started a couple weeks ago. And I told you from the very beginning, we're not going to be in a hurry. We're not racing to get through here. It's not how fast can we cover the material. And so if you would, open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. We've titled this series, Set Free to Live Free, as kind of the master theme that we're developing each and every week. And so set free to live free uh, is kind of the idea. And this study is a study of a number of things. It's a study about the grace of God. It's about freedom in Christ. It's about getting your eyes on God and keeping your eyes on God and taking your cues from him. And uh, we're going to just keep working our way through this. Now, let me just quickly review, uh, if you haven't been with us, what what we've talked about. And I'll do this very, very fast. Uh, This letter is from the Apostle Paul to churches in an area called Galatia. Galatia in their day is Turkey in our day. And uh, Paul has planted these churches, and then he left them, and then um, 
they, they were kind of establishing. So three to six months later, he got word that there was uh, a problem. Now, I need to digress for just a moment. I want to remind you about something about the Apostle Paul. He was intense. And all of us know intense people, and I are one of them. But um, intense people uh, have like just a driving passion that, uh, that literally, so you just, you, it defines them. Paul had a number of things that defined him. Number one was he was a church planner. He planted churches everywhere he went. He would bring people into a relationship with Jesus and then structure them so that they could thrive. He, he was a passionate theologian. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament of the Bible. This guy was prolific, all right? He was uh, an apologist for the faith. What does that mean? It means he would defend the faith to anyone who would take it on. And, and, and so you see this intensity in him. But anyway, so all of this passion he puts into these churches that he plants in this region called Galatia, and then he leaves them, and then people from the outside came in and started winning them over to a different way of thinking. Uh, they, they basically uh, turned them away from what Paul had taught them to something they were teaching them, and Paul got word of what they were doing, and that is why he writes the letter to these people. How can you let go of what you had for what they offer you? And what were they offering them? Uh, not a relationship with Jesus, but a religion of rules. And I'm here to tell you, folks, people are making this swap all the time from a relationship with Jesus to a religion of rules. And he was intense. Um, and how did they do it? They basically came along, and I'll say a couple things. They said, you know this grace that Paul, if you were last week, this grace, this, this, this sounds too good to be true because it's too good to be true. And, and it's, not, it, it's not real. And, and basically they came along and said this, instead of grace, you have to prove yourself worthy to God. Instead of grace, you have to know the rules and you gotta keep the rules. There's laws and there's customs and if you blow those things off, there's no way God's gonna accept you. And, and I'd also say this, and this again, you have to understand this, understand the letter of Galatians. They have to somehow destroy the credibility of Paul. And that's what this section is all about that we're talking about today. They have to destroy this guy. They have to take him down. And so they just attack. They, they undermine Paul as a person and they undermine Paul as a leader. They uh, literally insinuate that the gospel message, this story of grace was a figment of Paul's imagination. He made that up. They basically say he's not even a credible witness. And worst of all, they suggest that he's not even an apostle. He's a junior apostle at best a junior staff member of the, of the real apostles. And so what we have in our text today is Paul's response, where he's basically saying, stop, just a moment. And remember how it began. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and they're attacking him, and he's got to give him a response. He's going to tell his story, and that's what we're going to look at. So in Galatians chapter 1, we're going to do what we do each week, and that is we're just going to take a little section and, and just kind of look at it a little bit more closely. So we're going to look, actually, we're going to look at verses 11 down to 24, the end of the chapter, but we're looking at them in little chunks, and it, it, it'll go quick. So here we go. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, starts his defense, okay? It starts his defense because they're literally saying he's not credible. <clears throat> it says this, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation of Jesus Christ. 
Folks, this is huge. They're saying, you're just, you're just spewing stuff you've made up. You just created this or, or whatever, you, wherever source you got this, it's not for real. And what he's saying is, I need you to understand something. What I got, what I've given you, what I preached last weekend, if you were here, that is from Jesus Christ. Even though there's lots of people that say, that cannot be real, that sounds just too good to be true. And Paul goes, it is true. Now, here's what we got to do. So leave yourself in Galatians chapter 1 and flip over to the book of Acts. Go to the left and uh, find the book of Acts. And I want to show you something. I I just need to teach you something so you can understand your Bible better. Uh, Because here's what you need to understand. Jesus, when he was walking on the earth prior to Paul, he chose 12 apostles. All right? Now, these were not disciples. Disciples are followers. Apostles were the designated leaders. There were 12 tribes of Israel, and so Jesus chose the number 12, and the idea was this is the ministry to Israel, these 12. And yet what happened is one of the 12 did something atrocious, and you know what he did. Judas Iscariot sold out Jesus, and he, he, he literally led the, the religious people to where Jesus was so that they could capture him and ultimately have him crucified. And he did this for 30 pieces of silver. That was the whole point. He did it to profit himself. He absolutely regretted it once he had done it. But here's what happens. He commits suicide. I don't know if you know this. He commits suicide, uh, and it's a tragedy. But now there's 11, and there were supposed to be 12. Now, I need to show you this to explain what's happening with Paul. Okay, so let's, uh, let's pick this up. I'm going to read, I'm going to read fast, okay? So I'm going to be in Acts chapter 1, and uh, I'm going to pick it up from verse 12. We're just going to fly. Just, if, if you can follow along or you can just listen, all right? <clears throat> so Jesus uh, rises from the dead, he appears to people, and then he ascends uh, up into heaven. That's Acts chapter 1, all right? Now, I'm in chapter 1, I'm a little farther down. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. Now, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Now, those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and and Judas, son of James, not Judas Iscariot. Now, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with all the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, and, and with his brothers, Jesus' brothers, which he had brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment, uh, with, with the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field And there he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Sorry for the graphic nature, but don't ever say the Bible doesn't say it as it is, all right? Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, and they called that field in their language a keldama, which is filled to blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Paul and, no, 
Paul's not in this equation. Paul is not even a believer in Jesus at this point. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. Now, this is very, very important because the 11 now become 12 again, and their mission is literally the people of Israel. And you go, well, see, Paul's not an apostle, except that when you get to the book of of Galatians, which is where we are, I want you to look at chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is, I have encountered Jesus personally in my story, and he has given me a task, and I'm going for it. And you'll see that. Now, uh, the, the good news was Paul wasn't left as he was, and he became somebody he never was. Now, let's go to Galatians chapter 1, verse 13. Okay, so he's basically saying, guys, I'm an apostle, not by the will of men. That was in the council that gathered together that nominated me. They cast lots, and God appointed me as an apostle. This is what you need to know. So Galatians 1.13 on down, he said this. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age. And remember, Judaism is this group over here. This is this uh, Old Testament, keep all the rules, keep all the laws. He was a, a very good Jew, and he was a part of an elite group called the Pharisees. Um, and so I was advancing in Judaism between, uh, beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the tradition, uh, traditions of my fathers. But when God, now I want you to note those three words. Those three words are the transition point of our lives. Your life and my life. Your story and my story. Paul's story. But when God. But when God. All right. Don't forget those three words. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia, and later I returned to Damascus. Okay, there's a whole lot in here. Let me go, let me go quick. Um, who I was. I was, an, I was intense about destroying the church. I was intense about ruining this thing that Jesus started. I wanted to see it disappear. And the word destroy is where we get the word destruction. I want you to think of the, of the idea of sacking a city. I want to wipe. I want you to think of Kiev. I want you to think of scorched earth. That is what he says. That was my frame of mind. I will scorch earth the church. I will destroy it in every way I can. But when God, and that's the transition, but when God. Paul wasn't asking for God. Paul wasn't anticipating God. Paul wasn't deserving of God. Just like you and me. But when God acted, everything changed. He, he revealed himself to me, Paul says. I was saved. I was set apart by grace. And uh, a transition is taking place. Here's what you need to know. Paul was over earlier in his life, and don't miss this, he was a passionate church persecutor who became a passionate church planter. And you can't go uh, more extreme than that. And he's saying, here's the point. Man had nothing to do with this. This was not because I hung out with the apostles. This was not because I got voted in. 
because I encountered Jesus Christ and he transformed my life. But when God, and here's what I want you to think about in your story. Who were you before you met Christ? You're, you know, BC. And, and who have you become since you had that encounter? Paul says, I'm a whole different person. And by the way, Paul had no sense of pride in his past. Now, he, he certainly knew he had it made over here. But when he came to faith in Jesus and he became a part of the church, can you imagine living with the pain of what you've done? The remorse you killed people who, who now, you, you destroyed churches and now you've given your life to planning churches. He says this in 1 Timothy. He was saying this to a, a young guy that he was mentoring. Uh, this is 116. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners. Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. What he's saying is, look, if God could change me from what I was, he could change you from who you were. And and what was this incredible thing God was doing but when God? He he was going to call Paul. Don't miss this. He was going to call Paul not to serve among the Jewish people, but to become literally an ambassador of Jesus Christ to Gentiles. Who are Gentiles? Non-Jewish people. And again, I want you to see this. You just got to understand. He says, my special calling from God was not what I would have guessed. I am so thoroughly knowledgeable about the ways of Judaism. Send me to the Jews. No, Paul, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles who... who you, you, you're going to take your message to that group. Now, again, just hold that in your mind for just a moment. Because in the book of Acts, time after time after time, you see Paul appearing before the Gentiles. You see his testimony. He gives it in Acts 9. He gives his testimony in Acts 22. He gives his testimony in Acts 26. He gave his testimony right here. We just read it. My former life, this is who I was. He is telling everybody everything. Because the greatest story, and listen carefully, the greatest story of what God has done is the story of what he's done in you. And everybody can argue with Jesus and go, or I don't believe in God. They cannot argue with what God has done in you. And the greatest thing about my life is what God has done, not what I've done. And you can't tell me he didn't do it. I've lived it. You can't take that from me. I know the difference he's made. And, and the thing that I would say, nobody knows your story better than you. Tell your story. Let me pause here. When is the last time you've ever told anyone about who you used to be and about how you met Jesus and about the difference he's made? And see, the point, I'm not trying to make us feel bad. I'm going, it's just so easy to go, well, I know, I know, I know what happened. Paul's going, I know what happened, and I cannot not tell people about what happened. And uh, so he's going to tell everyone. All right, let me, let's, let's keep going here because I want to get to the t- takeaway. Uh, Colossians 1.18, just keep working our way down another little chunk. He says, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas. By the way, that's Peter. And stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. And I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Isn't it interesting he has to put that Because those who had taken over the church said he's lying to you about who he really is. He's lying to you about his story. They had to say that to undermine him to get them to listen to 
to get the church to listen to these people, these Judaizers that wanted to be all about rules. And and you can't even trust anything he says to you. And Paul goes, I'm telling you, I'm not telling you any. There's no lies here. But I do want you to see this. After three years, I went up to Jerusalem. And this is going to be really, really important that we understand. After three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15. I saw none of the other apostles, only James. Um, By the way, um, what was he doing during these three years? So we have this picture of Paul came to faith and he was just on fire and he was telling everybody, and he was, but three years later, he's going to go visit the apostles that we read about in Acts chapter one. This is what you got to understand. He doesn't run up there, oh, endorse me, endorse me, give me, tell me, tell everyone that I'm one of you. He didn't need to do that. He had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus set him apart. That's what he's saying. And, uh, you know, the approval of these folks is not important. And by the way, when he says James, the Lord's brother, let's just, we've got to pause on this for just a minute. When I read the list of the apostles in Acts chapter one, there was a James mentioned, okay? There was another James mentioned. One is the brother of John. He was killed by this time in the story when we get to Acts, where we are in 13, 14, 15. He's killed. You can read about that earlier in Acts. And the other James uh, is not the one, the son of Alphaeus. That's not who we're talking about. James, he says, the Lord's brother. Now, just pause here. He's not, an, he's not an apostle, but he's the head of the church in Jerusalem. James, the Lord's brother. Now, now look, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus had half-brothers. I don't know if you know that. He had, half, he had a family. He, I mean, his, Mary and Joseph had kids. And um, James is one of those. Now, now, now follow this. Uh, there's an encounter with uh, Jesus where his family shows up. You can read about this in the Gospels where they say, you're crazy. You're going around telling people you're the son of God. We got to take you home, man. And, and, and Jesus won't go with them. But later, don't miss this, but later, uh, James, his brother, goes, he is who he said he was. Now, just hop pause for just a moment. If there is no reason to follow Jesus except this reason, this is reason enough. How much... I mean, how hard would it be if one of your siblings tried to convince you they were the son of God? Now go there, people. This is your brother running around. He's going, hey, I just want you to know I'm special. Uh, You know, whenever there's a, uh, you know, well, thus saith the Lord ends the conversation, right? How hard would it be to convince you? James goes, he is, that's who he is. And I think that's just absolutely remarkable. All right? So what he's, the point he's making right here is that um, these others accepted him. That's what he's saying. They, they didn't kick me out. They didn't say, you don't belong. He's saying that. We'll show you more of that next week. And then let's finish this section, Galatians uh, 1, 21 to 24. He says, uh, then I went to Syria and uh, Cilicia. And that, by the way, is where Tarsus, where his home is. And that's just below Galatia. Uh, I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea, now that are in Christ, they only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. And so what he's trying to say is, look, I, I don't have the endorsement of a whole bunch of people. I don't need the endorsement. I encountered Jesus Christ and he set my course. Now, in the last few moments I've got, I, I just want to point out some things that I think are really, really important here that affect you and me. And we'll close with this. All right. I want you to see this, all right? But when God, 
I want you to go back to those words, but when God, when God who set me apart from my mother's womb called me in grace, but when God who set me apart from my, what do you mean set you apart from your mother's womb? When were you in your mother's womb? Well, that goes way back, right? I mean, that goes way back because that's kind of like the beginning well, actually, it's the beginning before the beginning, because you would say your life began when you were born, but the beginning of the beginning is when you were conceived. And you understand what he's saying? But when God, who set me apart in my mother's womb, who, but God had a purpose for my life be, before I was even here. But when God. Now, I, I just pause here, and I want you to think about your life. Could it be possible that this story of your life, uh, from the very beginning, God's known it? And, and that your past, he was fully aware it would be your past? And that encounter that you had with him, if you've come to faith with him, he knew about? And that he knew how he was going to use your past to give you purpose for your future? Just think with me. Because that's what he's saying to Paul. Paul, you think it was just a coincidence that you were born into this Judaism? You were born into the faith? Uh, you, you think it was a coincidence you became a Pharisee? You think it was a coincidence that you studied under Gamaliel, this prominent rabbi? You think all that was just a coincidence to you and me? You think it's just a coincidence you were born, when you were born, where you were born, to whom you were born, how you were born? You think all that just happened? Could it be possible you were designed and created and gifted and equipped for something that was going to come later on in your story than your birth. Because we look at the first part of our story and go, yeah, this is what happened. That's not your story. That's the beginning of your story. A transition when you make Jesus, but when God, and then your future. Now, stay with us, all right? Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 says this. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't even know how to speak. I'm only a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you, uh, I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Now, understand what's going on? God's calling Jeremiah, and Jeremiah's going, oh, oh God, I, I, I got, uh, I'm just, I'm way, I'm inadequate in every capacity. I'm young. I'm just a kid. I don't know. I don't even know how to speak, man. I get my tongue tangled every time I try to talk, and it just comes out wrong. And I, I'm just not, and God goes, shh, do not say you're inadequate. From before you were born, I set you apart for the purpose of testifying on my behalf. Oh, you were designed for that. You were created for that. You were equipped for that. You were gifted for that. Now, what about Paul? What about Paul? All right, let's talk about Paul's purpose. Uh, in Ephesians 3.8, and he said it here, but I want to show you in Ephesians 3.8. This grace was given to me, now watch, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, I need you to just stop here and think about this. I am so qualified to speak to Jewish people about Jesus. God goes, that's not what I called you to. 
I want you to go into Asia and Asia Minor, and I want you to go to Europe, and I want you to make these missionary journeys where you tell people who know nothing about Jewish customs, I want you to go tell them about this incredible thing called grace. I want you to go teach them. Because I, I called you for that purpose. Stay with it. What, 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 <clears throat> a coincidence you were born in a Jewish family, a coincidence you were trained under Gamaliel, who happened to be the grandson of Hillel, uh, the most prominent of all rabbis, a coincidence that you know, you have this passion for theology, you have this passion to involve yourself in, the, in, you know, in like what your faith is about. That's just coincidence. Now stop, for, let me talk about you for just a moment. What is in your story that you've just written off as, yeah, well that, yeah, that was for nothing. That was a waste. That was a, see, we all came from something. You all, you have a journey. And what you were before, you can look at it and you go, it's, it's worthless. It's absolutely worthless. God's going, no, one. that's what I used to prepare you for the purpose for which I created you. That's what I used to prepare you for the purpose for which I created you. That's your past. But when God, everything changes and you go off into the future. Somebody said this, there's two incredibly important days in your life. The day you were born and the day you figure out why you were born. Why, why were you born? I want to show you one more thing and I'm going to be done. I want to point out that the Apostle Paul, who had all of this intensity and all of this wisdom and all of this knowledge and all of this history, comes to faith in Jesus and he says, and then I spent three years in the wilderness. Now, what, what was he doing in the wilderness? Where was the wilderness? He said in Arabia. I went to Arabia. Now, that's not Saudi Arabia. That can mean a number of places. He went out into the wilderness. What was he doing in the wilderness? Here's what he was doing. Listen carefully. He was trying to figure out how does my past, but when God changed me to the future, what does my past have to do with my, my future? It's fascinating to me that God um, usually sends us in the wilderness before he points out our purpose. Stay with me. Moses. Moses was born... He was put in a basket on the Nile. He was fetched out of the river by Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised in Pharaoh's house as literally the son of Pharaoh. He was educated. He was, uh, he was educated in the highest schools in, in Egypt. He lived literally in the Pharaoh's palace because of the good luck of being plucked out of the river by Pharaoh's daughter. And man, he was so ready to go after 40 years. And then he saw that Egyptian that was hurting one of his own, a Hebrew, and he inter intervened and he killed the Egyptian and word got around and Pharaoh said, out, you are out. 40 years of, uh, I mean, just uh, the great life, the laid back life, and then sent out for 40 more years in isolation out in the wilderness. That's where he went. He went out nowhere in Sinai, out there, just out there. Life's over. There's no point. There's no purpose. I have no future. It's all over. And then this crazy experience with a bush that burned wasn't consumed. And God says, I want you to go back. And now I'm going to give you 40 years of purpose. And guys, you just don't want to miss that. 40 years of preparation, 40 years of isolation, 40 years of purpose. 
I want you to think about Elijah. I want you to think about David. David was appointed king, and then he was chased uh, under the desert of Engedi, the caves of Engedi. If you've never been there, overlooking the Dead Sea, the desert of the desert of the desert of Israel, to go languish out there for a while. Jesus, baptized in the Jordan, comes up out of the water, and is immediately led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's exactly how it's worded. And Paul's going, I don't know, man. I came to faith and then I spent three years before I actually went and even introduced myself to the other apostles. So let me, let me close with this thought. Could it be that all these things in your life, whatever they are, that as you told your story, that all of that was God, like God was in that? Even in your rebellion, he was in it? That he was protecting you, shaping you, using circumstances. I think about my life and my story, which I will spend very few moments on. I grew up without a dad. And you go, that, that was the worst thing that ever happened. Except it really wasn't the worst thing because what it did was it put a longing in me for a relationship with a father who I met later on when I was a high school student, a heavenly father. Was it a coincidence I grew up without a father? I don't, I don't know. I think about Lisa and my uh, journey in ministry, and I think about the worst experience we've ever had was uh, the church that we were at before this church, which we've been here, like, well, I think we started our 36th year here, but before this was the closest we've ever come. It wasn't about us, but I saw the ugliness of what a church can turn into when it turns bad. Wasn't, we weren't in the folk, it went about us. But I witnessed so much, I saw so many things that disgusted me about church. I don't ever want to be a part of this thing. And Lisa and I came as close. I, I can't speak for her. I came as close to walking away from my faith and walking away from ministry in that experience. But the weirdest thing happened is I didn't walk away, but I ended up here. And I can tell you, while I couldn't see it at the time, I can look back on it, and I can tell you with crystal clear vision why God put me through the wilderness, why he put us through the wilderness. Because this was what I was being prepared for. Now, enough about me. Let me close talking about you. Do you think it's just a coincidence you're here? you think it's a coincidence that your story has taken the first chapters that it's taken? And then if you've come to faith in Jesus, you think it's just a coincidence? you think God uses your past to prepare you for your purpose? What's your purpose? I don't know the answer to that. I certainly know this. You have a story to tell. When's the last time you told it? Why don't you determine this week? You're going to tell your story to somebody. Listen to the words again of your story. You'll see something you'll never see if you don't put it into words. Tell your story. See where it goes. We'll pick this up next week, but let me pray, and we'll wrap up. We're not, we're going to, don't, don't leave, please. Yeah. So God, um, thank you for Paul. And God, it's, it's fascinating to watch. You know, if he would have planned his life, it would not have gone the way it went. If I would have planned my life, it had not gone the way it went. And most of, people, most of the people who are hearing me would go, I would never plan this either. But you have this really bizarrely crazy, marvelous way of taking the chaos of our lives and using that to create purpose in our lives to define us, to shape us, to mold us. God, I pray for each and every person who's hearing me right now to be really deeply thinking about 
who they are and why they are who they are and what was it that they were made for. And God, if we could all discover that and just live within our purpose, we would have so much passion for life. So God, cause us to think about this, cause us to think deeply. And in this, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our hope is that you are left inspired and challenged to continue to grow in your faith. If you are looking for more from Central, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. See you next time. Until then, go be the church.